Welcome to The Next Step, the podcast for students, hosted by Stint. Welcome to the third episode of the Stint Podcast. This week, we move away from the business world and into the world of entertainment with our guest, who in many ways was the voice of my childhood. And I would imagine the same for many of you too. You might have noticed him featuring at the start of every episode already. Our guest today is Peter Dixon, the iconic voice of British TV, perhaps most well-known for his work on X Factor and Britain's Got Talent. While this is what he is best known for, Peter has had an incredibly successful career as an author, a radio presenter, a narrator, a businessman, and a TV star. The TV shows include the likes of Family Fortunes and Holby City, to name but a couple of a long list. He has narrated an incredible 250 documentaries on Discovery Channel and a further 150 for the BBC and other broadcasters. He has voiced a staggering 30,000 radio campaigns, including recently for the likes of Domino's and Money Supermarket. His career has been nothing short of phenomenal, and we can spend the whole episode listing all of his achievements, but he has such a wealth of knowledge and experience that he can give you, our students. And so let's dive right in. Peter, hi. It's, it's absolutely brilliant to have you on. How are you today? I'm, I'm very well, thank you. Thank you very much indeed for having me. Um, so I know you're going to have a wealth of knowledge and experience that you can give to our students and really help them at this awkward, critical juncture of their life. And I'm going to, because of the variety of work you've done, I'm going to just describe it throughout this podcast as a career in entertainment. But how would you describe it? Um, I feel like describing you just as a voiceover artist or a voice actor doesn't do justice to all the incredible things that you have done. So how do you describe your career? Well, you've summed it up very well. And um, I'm just thinking while I was listening to you, Sol, that there's very little wonder that I feel slightly knackered. Um, it's... <laughs> I um, I've ever since I left university. I, I'm, I was a graduate from Queen's University in Belfast, and I did a four years honours degree in psychology. And while I was at university, I also um, luckily, and it was a stroke of luck actually, I managed to get a job at the BBC where I was working part time as a, a radio announcer on BBC uh, local radio. Um, and that was to me uh, one of the biggest breaks I think I ever had because that opened the door to what came afterwards. Um, but I learned fairly early on that, um, and it's probably my nature that I, I'm, and I still follow this uh, rule today, sometimes to my detriment, but often it, it leads me down some very interesting paths. And um, I, um, I would categorize myself as a yes man. And I would encourage anyone listening to this podcast to say yes more often to people who ask you to do things, provided they're reasonable and you feel comfortable doing them. Um, and even if there's, and this may sound strange to some of you, even if there's no money at the end of it for you, um, if you feel the, the project or whatever somebody is asking you to do is worth your time to invest in it, um, and even if there's no money or no, no immediate sense of reward, I would suggest to you that you should say yes, because I've done this so many times in my life and I've, I've come across uh, people that I've met and they've asked me to do something oh there's no money in it I'm sorry but we can't we haven't got a budget they genuinely didn't have a budget because I always check um and I've done the job and uh that job has left led on to so much more interesting and so many more profitable ventures in the future than I could even have imagined at the time so my my key thing is to anybody listening is to 
particularly at your stage, at the undergraduate stage, or just as if you've just graduated, is to try and say yes more and, and do more and more things than you ever imagined you possibly could do. And you will find through time the things that you love. And the things that you love are the things that you should do. And if you do the things you love, then you'll never work a day's work in your life. Because I don't consider myself, I consider myself to be a lucky uh, amateur at what I do. Uh, although I happen to get paid sometimes very well for what I do. But at the same time, because I love it all, it doesn't feel like work. And that's my key kind of point to uh, people who are thinking about what career path should I take? Do I really want to do the job that I did my four-year or three-year degree studying? Perhaps not. Many people don't. Um, I know I did. I, as I said, I did psychology, but um, here I am. I ended up uh, reading other people's um, scripts for a living and being a broadcaster and a writer and uh, and a business person I, I i have no right to be a businessman but i because i never did a degree in business or even a, a, an mba i i have no idea um about any of that but i do know how to find people who do know those things and i can pay them to do that for me so i think if you're going to be an entrepreneur that's fine but you've got to find people to surround yourself with who know how to do the things that you don't and and don't be afraid of buying the very best you can. A hundred percent. And I, and I completely agree with you. I was, my path at university was to go into finance. And I think that when I did that limited level of experience in finance, it, it wasn't anything that I enjoyed doing. It definitely felt like work and getting up every day wasn't as fun as my life is now. And I think one of the things that I do in my world is I thank, you know, whoever there is to thank, for the life that I live because it is so much fun and surrounding yourself with people and working with people that you love and are your friends only make that better um there's lots of what you said there and I'm, I'm going to come back and try and touch on lots of different aspects of it throughout this conversation I suppose talking about finding what you love when did you realize you had this talent or when did you when, when did you find your love because you did psychology was that I, I I'm assuming perhaps incorrectly that you found it at university or after made that decision is that is that a fair assumption no i i, I my love of radio my, was where my first passion was was radio goes back to when i was probably about five years old my father had an old radio set and i used to listen to um to radio at home and um i was fascinated by these wonderful voices i would hear on radio um you know across all the local and national channels and that's where my my very first interest in 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 radio and speech came from and so when i um before i left school actually i was i was looking around uh, at universities and i went to queen's university at their open day and i met a guy who was running the um, queen's university uh, film society stand you know where all the all the societies set out their uh, their wares and uh, i got chatting to him he was actually a bbc cameraman who was helping the university film society you know with making little 16 millimeter as it was then films and um, i went along to the uh, society night and got chatting to him again he said you know i've made this little documentary and I think you might be quite good to, I'd like to try you on uh, audition you for, maybe you might like to narrate it for me, which I did. And uh, to cut a long story short, he said, well, that was very good. And uh, they're actually looking for somebody at the BBC. Would you like me to introduce you to the head of the presentation department? And I said, yes, bear in mind, I was only 18. I just barely turned 18. Um, and so I, you know, I went off to do an audition 
at the BBC, just still at school, actually, and uh, and got the job. <laughs> and uh, these were the days before uh, human resources departments and all those, you know, the fun police came along and spoiled it for everybody. But you can imagine an 18-year-old going along and auditioning at the BBC nowadays. I, I would never even dream of doing that. But that's the arrogance of youth. It's great. When you're young, you can't make any mistakes, really. Pe you can afford, people People make allowances for you. And um, I think it's a great, a great opportunity to try and do uh, be as bold as you can when you're young, get out of your comfort bubble, you know, get out of that comfort zone and do stuff that stretches you. And you don't feel, um, you, you should feel uncomfortable and nervous when you do things that are new. That's a sign that you're growing. Uh, whereas if you just carry on with the same old stuff, you'll get the same old results. So you've got to push yourself higher and harder and further and feel uncomfortable, uh, not too uncomfortable, but feel Know, slightly challenged at times which is good and that's the only way as human beings we grow and develop and become better people um so that's how i started out and that's how my career began um i also after i graduated i thought that just reading the news on tv and radio was maybe not terribly um you know, it wasn't, I didn't think it was, it was, it was okay, but I thought it was maybe not as respectable as journalism. So I, I then trained as a journalist. Again, there's me kind of saying yes to somebody's suggestion and pushing myself. Uh, but I found out very quickly, I was a terrible journalist. I couldn't sniff out a story to save my life. I was terrible. I trained alongside, you know, Jeremy Paxman, Kate Aidy, Nicholas Witchell, all the big reporters of the day uh, and who have now gone on to have stellar careers in broadcasting but it wasn't for me uh, so I just thought no this isn't for me I went back to being a, a radio presenter a DJ and uh, a, a, a news reader and presenting programs that's what I loved and to, to a certain extent still love doing until I found my true love again another change of direction which is as a freelance voice actor which is what I do now. Nice and I think yeah, I think that spending, you know, getting involved and saying yes to lots of different things. I mean, if I understood what you said correctly, saying yes also is what landed you in the BBC to begin with. Um, so, yes, I, I mean, I could, I could have said no at that point. I mean, when, when this, this, this chap said, do you want to audition for the BBC? I mean, most people would go, oh, no, I couldn't do that. I would be, I, I'd be too, I'm not good enough for that. Or I couldn't possibly even think of doing that. But I just closed my eyes and said, yes. <laughs> and uh, next thing I know, I'm in, a, in an office being interviewed by the head of presentation and, uh, and then given some scripts to read and then got the job literally within a few days, uh, a part-time job while I was at university. And all through my university, although the, the money was terrible, I was, um, you know, it was a mutual exploitation in a way because they, they were getting something, I was getting something. We both knew that. But... Um, I was uh, I was very very conscious of the fact that I was I was I was getting my foot was in the door where I wanted to be and I was getting experience and at the same time the money was paying for my education and my and I was able to feed myself and not rely on my parents. And yeah, I mean, I, I again I love that. I think that approach should be applied to all areas of life, not just your career, not just you know furthering your skills, but you know doing fun stuff, doing spontaneous stuff um, in a friendship capacity, in a sporting capacity, in a entertainment capacity, because one of my, one of my mottos or one of my principles, I suppose, is it's actually taken from Kobe Bryant, the, the late basketball player, who said 
he didn't want to get on his deathbed and think he could have done more. And I think for me, that's such an anxiety that I have of letting life go past me and not being proactive. And some of the podcasts we've had previously speak a lot about this theme of, you know, being proactive. And I think that's very much applied here. Be proactive in, you know, exploring so many different areas and great opportunities will come from them. Um, I think that's quite a nice place to talk a little bit about being prepared for opportunities, which I know is something that um, we've spoken a little bit about previously. Um, one of my favorite sayings is, uh, luck is when preparation meets opportunity. Um, mm. I think that's, that's, that, that's, that's such a big thing. And I think understanding mindset is super important. Part of the way, reason, in my opinion, that people are less open to trying so many different things is this idea of failure. And if you look at how society has changed over the last 30, 40, 50 years, 60 years, 100 years, whatever, it's become a competition, much more of a competition than it has been previously. And so I think students today listening to some of the advice you give won't be as open to trying new things because of this fear of failure. And the fact that so many of our friends know so much more about our life, so many of our peers, we weren't human beings now are designed to meet a thousand, you know, you have a thousand people on your Instagram page or Facebook page. And so they're updated with all these things. And so we're way less likely to involve that. And I think your, you know, understanding mindset is so important and we're not taught mindset anywhere. And so we've spoken a little bit about mindset and I know that you have, you know, an approach to mindset, whether that's the law of attraction or failure, or even what we've spoken about now, just saying yes. Can we talk a little about mindset and the role that's played oh, absolutely. in your career? I'd love to talk about mindset because it's very, very important. Um, and none of this was taught to me at university, incidentally. This is my psychology degree aside, uh, which was largely theoretical. This, these things that I'm going to talk about now, and we're talking about now, I've learned through you know, my, my own independent reading and talking to people like yourself about life and, uh, and, and sort of life philosophies, if you like. Um, but mindset is very important. You are, to a large extent, what you think. Thinking is, is what brings to your brings to the forefront in your mind your reality and if you think that you're um, poor or you think that you're unsuccessful then guess what that's what you'll get more of in your life you will get more unsuccessful things happening to you you'll get more you'll become poorer whereas I think if you practice gratitude every single day and uh, remember to thank those who've helped you along the way and speak kindly of them and the way and, and speak to other people the way you would wish to be spoken to um, you will find more and more good things coming to your life. The key is, I think, to put yourself in the other person's shoes. You know, if you're doing a deal with somebody, or you're 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 asking a friend to do something for you, or you need, you know, somebody who employs you to give you a raise, um, see things from their point of view, never yours. Put yourself on the back burner, and always ask yourself, what can I do for this person? What can I? How can I make their situation better? What value can I offer to the, this particular person in my in their life that they can't see for themselves? It was Winston Churchill who, in fact, uh, followed that advice, his own advice. And through his career, he had many opportunities where he had to put himself in the shoes of the other guy. You know, where, when he was negotiating huge um, matters of state, he would think about the other person's point of view always. And that's a great position to get yourself into whatever you're doing, whether you're just trying to negotiate something with your partner, your lover or whoever, or whether you're negotiating a new contract, always think about it from the other person's point of view. And the other thing I'd say is it's all very well. I mean, there's a great lot of emphasis set on goal setting these days. I used to be a great goal setting guy and I, I'm, I am to a certain extent, I think goal setting is good. Um, 
you can do micro goal setting, like simply I need to phone the electricity company to adjust my direct debit. You know, I would write those things down. You know, I have a separate notebook for those kind of things. So lists are great, but larger plans um, never really work for me. I, I never really had a plan when I was growing up in my in my early life. Um, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I kind of knew I wanted to do something in radio, but that was about it. Um, what I would say is you should never, I don't think, ever too fixated on a plan as such. Planning ahead and goal setting can give you a clear direction of uh, where you want to go. But plans, bear in mind, will almost definitely change from time to time. So be prepared to live your life, I think, with you know open arms. Uh, embrace life. Don't be too fixated on your plan because it will change. And change, after all, uh, as Heraclitus said, is the only constant. Um, so, but so don't worry about anything. You know, everything, everything will be all right in the end. You will have the life you want to have as long as you think that you can and be prepared to move with the times. And the other thing you should do is listen and look out for the signs. What do I mean by the signs? Ma the majority of people, um, and believe me when I say this, they ignore the signs in life. Things will come into your life. People will drift in. You'll have a dream about somebody or you'll think suddenly somebody's name will pop into your head for no reason at all. It happens to me every day. Why did I think of that person? Hmm, maybe I'll give them a ring. And you give them a ring and they say, I was just thinking about you. <laughs> and uh, there's a reason why these things happen. I don't understand it. It's we talked about the universal law of attraction. You attract into your life uh, what you think about. And so if you act on those signs, if you're walking down a street and you see a sign in a shop window and it says something and you're drawn to it, um, there's a reason why that happened. Um, it may be that that's a, a key or an idea that the universe is trying to tell you about next. This all sounds like voodoo. I'm sure you're thinking I'm mad, but um, <clears throat> I know it, I know it's... Um, it works and it's pretty uh, pretty powerful stuff. Well, I suppose, no, I definitely don't think it's voodoo because I am a believer of the law of attraction. And I think if you ask anybody at Stint, I spend so much time talking about what we're building, the vision, where we want to get to, that it's probably quite annoying for, for lots of my team. But I, I, I have on the belief that if you paint the picture, if you visualize it, if you go there in your mind, it is more likely to happen. And I think for students that aren't aware of this, and I'd be interested to know how that, how the law of attraction links to not planning, because I am a big planner and I have a different approach, but I'm going to come back to that in a second. For the students that are unaware of the law of attraction, something that kind of changed my life and my perspective on things was becoming aware of it. And the best way to do it is typing into YouTube, um, you know, law of attraction celebrities. And there's a very, very, very long list of people that actually talk about the law of attraction, you know, Will Smith, Conor McGregor, Jim Carrey, Denzel Washington. Uh, these people describe their mindset at 18, 19, 20, 21, you know, even later on in their careers as well. And I think it's just about focusing on a goal and being obsessed with that goal and make sure that that goal happens. But that's slightly different to what I understood from you about not planning things. Have I misunderstood something there or do you define the law of attraction no, I think differently? No, I do. I do think you should plan things. I think you should have an idea of what you want to do. But what I'm saying is don't become too fixated on your plan because plans change. You know, we all, I run three businesses and, and they're in a constant state of flux. They're changing all the time. I know roughly where I want them to go, but I'll, 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 we get, sometimes you get, you go up 
um, you know, you grew up cul-de-sacs and you find yourself in a, in a dead alley and you think, well, what am I doing here? Let's go back to where we were and we'll, move, we'll go on. So you've got to not become too downhearted about it. And failure is a key component of everything that you do. Um, there's a friend of mine called Jamal Edwards, who uh, many of oh, your listeners will SBTV. Yeah, you, you know Jamal. He's been to the state offices. He, he, he knows them. Yeah. yeah, we did some volunteering with him a few months ago. Okay, well, he's a very successful uh, young man, and uh, he was mentored by Richard Branson, actually. So uh, um, uh, Jamal, in the very early stages, when he was about 18 or 19, I think he was, he went to... Uh, to see Richard and uh, he said to Richard have you ever uh, have you ever failed at anything because you're a very successful entrepreneur and Branson looked at him and uh, paused for a second to for effect and said uh, yes I fail every day and to the young Jamal Edwards that was incomprehensible how could this man who's a billionaire and runs successful businesses be a failure well you look at Branson's business record and he's a string of failures of, of business who, rem who remembers Virgin Coke uh, you know, he took on Pepsi and, and Coke at their own game and, and failed at that. Uh, there, was a, there was a makeup business that failed. You know, the, there are many instances of ideas that he's had, and they were good ideas, but for whatever reason, he failed. And he said the important thing is, though, never be afraid of the F word, as I call it, failure, because it's the only way that you can learn in life. Unfortunately, there are no shortcuts. Uh, you will, you can learn from your mentors and from people who who you admire, you follow what they do, and then you then you'll probably make fewer mistakes than they did because you there's no way you can uh, reinvent the wheel. The, things happen the way they happen. But uh, if you do fail, occasionally we all do, uh, then you have to pick yourself up, learn from the experience, and don't do it again. So that's the way I do it. And um, so I think you know, so. All, all I would just say to you is, you know, everything in your life happens and manifests manifests itself in your life for a reason whether it's good uh, or something is bad, everything comes into your life for a reason, even though at the time something might seem to come to your life that may in fact hurt you. Um, as time passes, you will, uh, I think you'll realize that things were supposed to happen that, the way they did because one event led to another. People come into your life to teach you things. Um, all events in your life, good or bad, are opportunities in disguise. So, so I'm just saying, don't stress too much if you think that life is unfair or you're going through a patch in your life that things don't seem to be going your way because everything happens for a reason and all will become clear in time. But provided you get into the stream, you know, and you don't swim against the stream, you swim into the stream, don't fight life, go with the flow, as they used to say then you will find life becomes much easier and less friction in your life. Um, seek out people that you like. Trust your gut. That's another good thing. Trust your gut instincts. Um, don't worry too much about any decision you have to make. Don't follow logic, in other words. You can think things, overthink things. So just do what feels right to what would make you happy. You, um, you don't need to seek uh, outside insurance or assurance to confirm what your heart knows already, I think. If something doesn't feel right, or you have any doubts in it just a little bit, then it's probably not right for you. So trust your gut. There's a wonderful book written by, um, oh, I forget the guy's name now, uh, it'll come to me. But he, um, he talks about this a lot about, and there's been a lot of empirical studies done about people making decisions based not on logic, but on gut feeling. And every single one of us, and I do believe this, has the ability to make the right decision just through our gut. 
if it does wow. feel but, but a lot of us have lost touch with our gut don't you think so we we, we try and over uh, analyze things we we run numbers and we look at the data and uh, but you know well if you're I, employing I, yeah i mean if you're employing a person you know instantly whether that's somebody you can get on with that's super interesting i, I think so first of all if my if my product team, my tech team, my data team hear this, they're gonna, they're gonna kill me. I think logic's a very big thing for us. And I think, I'm, I'm gonna challenge you a little bit on it. I think, I wanna make a comment first and then I wanna challenge you on it. The comment I wanna make first is bringing a few things together. I think it's interesting to hear how you talk about plans because again, I think so much of the reason people don't talk about plans or make plans is because they're scared of failing. And then again, or changing their plans. I think one of the most amazing things is a sign of, a sign that, society interprets as stupidity or less clever is changing your minds or being pragmatic or being flexible or adaptable that is seen as like inconsistent crazy there's this idea of consistency is so in it's, it's so powerful in, in making decisions that often the wrong decisions so i think if we could take the pressure off students which again everything you just said that should do and everything that all of our guests so far have said should do as well it should give them that flexibility to plan and it's irrelevant if they fail and again, what we were talking about earlier in, in, in the conversation about the role of your peers and the role of pressure from outside and how many people we interact with and how visible everyone else's journey is now all just adds pressure to you. And I think prevents people from wanting to plan and wanting to have that relationship with plans. I suppose that was just my, my comment on it. The, the, the challenge I have to you is, do you think there's an argument that, you know, you obviously have incredible talent, you've been, I mean, you've had, you've had a career that's, that's phenomenal. If it's come from just going with the flow and saying yes, do you think there are some people that who don't have the same talent or the same breaks? Do you think luck is evenly distributed in a way that if everyone does go with the flow and has yes, that helps them be successful? Because I suppose I am much more strategic, logical in my planning. And I'm very like matter of fact, not just going with the flow. I'm, I wouldn't say I'm a control freak, but I like to be in control of my plan over the next few years. Do you think some students who say, you know, it's very easy saying that after the fact, what, what do you say to that? Well, I think, I think the question is whether you, um, but there are two types of people in this world. There are those who are very, very in touch with their gut. Of course, when we're talking about business soul, I mean, business relies on data. I don't get, don't confuse the two things. Fine, okay. you know, when you're running a business, you have to have insight into the data, otherwise you'll fail. Okay, so let, I'm not saying you shouldn't be looking at the stats. Of course Got it. Fine. Cool. Numbers hey, in business. Tech team are going to kill me. Oh, no, numbers is what it's all about. And we, uh, the two business or the three businesses I run, we're daily we're looking at the stats we're trying to work out what's going on we're trying to analyze how we can make those numbers change would you make a decision based on gut in a business sense or in any sense well certainly when i'm employing somebody um i I will look at their cv obviously as you do um but that only tells you so much um and i want to see them face to face i want to see the whites of their eyes i want to ask them um questions not about their necessarily about their skill sets although that's important but their cv will tell me a lot of that but i want to ask them about themselves i want to see what they've done in their life outside of their normal um day-to-day existence so i'm talking about things like you know charity work who what things have you done to help other people and um, i'll often throw in things like how would you make an omelet as an odd question because they, they, you get them talking about their work and suddenly you say, how do you make an omelette? And they go, uh, uh, and then they have to start then pivot into another thought. And uh, I, I watch them very closely to see how they react to that question sometimes, or rather questions like that, because they think, what an odd question. And if they can't 
pull it together quick enough, then you think that these people maybe can't think quickly enough on their feet. Um, so it's an insight in a way into how people think. So um, I've lost the trail of my thought now because I've gone off on a tangent. But I, 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 I you know answered the question mean. perfectly. I know what you mean. But 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 no, I know what I was saying. But data is is so crucial in business. But when you uh, when you when there are other business decisions that you have to make where there is no data, and you have to then decide whether the proposition in front of you is one that you can trust your gut on. And that's where a lot of entrepreneurs are really good at. Uh, that, that I'm, sure, a... I'm sure you've done it. You know exactly. You have to, again, it's putting yourself in the other person's shoes and you put yourself in the customer's shoes and think, how would they feel about this? Would they need this product, this service? Would I be able to offer value and add value to them? So that's I, 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 I think, so I think the empathy point's phenomenal. And I think that such few people have that ability. I think it's something that we look for it's in, in, in every single department, no matter what you do, being able to understand other people and seeing how they see the world. If you can do that skill effectively, you can, I think you can do anything, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, I completely agree with you. And I think trusting your gut is interesting. And now looking back at you know, how I was at university, I felt weird that I was applying for jobs. I think I felt weird being in an environment that I was completely controlled. And I didn't act on that feeling. If it wasn't for my brother you know, doing the work on stint without me knowing and saying, hey, you want to do this? I probably would never have started working instead. But that's because you're yeah, that's because you're a natural entrepreneur. So you're not a you're not going to be sitting in an office be doing work and being told what to do. Yeah. You, you would hate that. I mean that that would be awful sure. for you. Uh, at the same time, it's it's uh, there are other people, and it's and there's no right or wrong about any of this. By the way, it's what makes you happy. After all, there are other people who love the idea of being paid a wage, and who love the idea of being told what to do every day, and who love the idea of having every weekend off and six weeks holiday a year. It's it's yeah. it's it's assurance. It's it's a it's like a an insurance policy. They they get the the surety of everything. It's it's security and it's calm and it's uh, it's it's routine. It's what some people like. For you, for me. No thanks, not for me. Yeah, I mean, I, I I completely agree, and I think that is gut. You know, your gut will tell you if you're happy. Your gut will tell you if you're enjoying it. And so, I suppose I should leave my super logical, only logic wins mindset and think there are two places for this. And if you can interchange between gut and logic, and be aware of when your gut's making decisions and when your logic's making decisions, that's probably a good a good strategy to go for. One of the businesses um, I run, by the way, is called Gravy for the Brain, which is I think we might have talked about this. It's the um it's it's the world's biggest online training platform for actors who want to pivot into voice acting. And um, every day we get people joining us from all kinds of professions and walks of life. You know, we have marine biologists, we have veterinary surgeons, we have policemen uh, who want to, who are who hate the job they're in and want to do something more interesting. They've always perhaps had a love of drama or been interested in the arts, but they've never known how to how to do it. And voice acting is something you can do alongside another job um, in your in your evening time. And um, we train them how to do it. And it is interesting to, to hear, uh, or to see how many people are in, in lines of work or professions that they no longer enjoy. Well, yeah, completely. And I think that I'm conscious of time and I think, you know, we could speak for hours, but there are lots of students that I'm, again, going to, you know, describe your career as a career entertainment rather than just voiceover because you've done so much. Those students that want to pursue a career entertainment and, you know, whether that's being a voice actor or voiceover specifically as well, what are you, what, those listening, what is the next step they should be taking um, practically? What, what should they be doing? What skills should they be acquiring? If you are a university student that does see, a, you know, following a similar career to yourself, I mean, they should, <clears throat> they should, yeah, what, what should they be doing? 
Well, it's um, it's quite clear. I mean, I can only speak about voice acting uh, or voiceover, uh, which is what I do, broadcasting to a certain extent. But yes, you um, you need to get uh, get trained. Training is the key. So training is what you need. And I don't just say that because I run a training company. I honestly do believe it to be. Otherwise, we wouldn't be so so popular as we are. Uh, you need to be trained because it's quite a niche world, and not many people have insight into it. And the only way you can get insight into it is by you know, joining a company like ours, there are others, of course, uh, but uh, we're the best, we're the biggest, of course. Uh, and we train, uh, we train 43, nearly 44,000 actors around the world. We have offices in countries around the world. We've got Brazil, Mexico, uh, other countries in South America, North America, Canada, Portugal, Spain, France, oh, Netherlands, Egypt, and Australia, New Zealand. So we have offices in all those countries with people on the ground training people locally and of course the the art of voiceover doesn't change from country to country but there are certain nuances and things that do change including the pay scale and the rates and things and uh, how, how things are done are different in every territory so that's why we had to diversify in that way but so get trained um find somebody who can mentor you who can you know assess you because it may not be for you you may not be very good at it they could somebody who knows what they're doing can tell you pretty quickly whether you'd be suited to this kind of work can it, you can uh, you become good at it or is you it, can is it yeah you're you born with it you can no you can you can become good i mean there's people say oh i don't have a voice for it i mean unless you've got a real voice defect uh, or you, uh, you know, you you haven't got a, a, what most people consider to be in inverted commas a nice voice. Uh, it's really not all. It's only about twenty percent of it. The rest of it is reading other people's words, reading other people's copy to make it come alive and sound like you're spontaneously saying it. Again, a lot of it's to do with the way it's written. But if if you if you're reading very well written copy, it should sound to the listener like you are speaking the words rather than reading the words and that is essentially the, the huge skill that this job that i do requires and it's not easily done it has it requires a lot of practice amazing well look i think we spoke about so many different things i think there are so many lessons to take away from what you said both about you know voiceover and voice actors specifically but also wider about how you become how you build a happy life how you build a successful life the frameworks which you should be thinking about the next step in your careers um and so if when we listen back to this it was as exciting as I've seen it and I've felt being part of this conversation, I'm sure our students are in for a massive treat. So oh, it's great. So I've just one final uh, tip to give you all, and that is make your bed every morning. Really? Do you think so? I don't make my bed. It'll Worth make a doing? huge difference to your life. You'll be very thankful. You'll be pleased you did when it comes to bedtime. Because oh, there's, okay. nice, there's nothing nicer than arriving in your bedroom to a well-made bed and peeling back the duvet and thinking, I'm glad I did that this morning. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to set myself that challenge. Um, try it. Try it. It'll change your life. Cool. Um, thank you so much, Peter. You're very welcome. So I enjoyed every second of it. Thank you. Thank you.